I don't need to wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the... <laughs> I can do anything. The Glop Culture Podcast is brought to you by Wink. If you like good wine but can't even spell sommelier, it's time to take the stress out of wine shopping and try Wink, the new way to get all the best wines perfectly matched to your palate. Glop listeners get $20 off right now when you go to trywink.com slash glop. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash glop. They'll even cover the shipping and buy... HelloFresh, the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. For $35 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the coupon code GLOP when you subscribe. And buy Harry's Shave. Go to Harry's.com right now and enter code GLOP at checkout to claim your free trial set and post-shave balm. That's Harry's.com, then enter code GLOP. At checkout. So I'm John Podhoritz, editor of Commentary, sitting high atop the uh, nondescript building in the Garment Center um, here in New York City. <laughs> I love uh, that. And I think elsewhere. Because <laughs> you don't get enough to, uh, 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 blowback from the alt right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> enough. It's Commentary right. Magazine. Right. You I, also yeah, have to be. Hot <laughs> Velvet. Cut velvet for the coffee. Anyway, and I think probably somewhere elsewhere in New York, is that right? Is Rob Long? Are you somewhere in, the, in town today? I am in town. I am in town. Okay, so Rob Long, somewhere elsewhere in town, and in Washington, D.C., holding down the fort for those Georgetown cocktail parties that he goes to, Jonah, 200,000 Twitter follower Goldberg. Uh, 200,001, thank you very much. Well, 201,000, I should say. Sorry. I just, I actually, 190, I just unfollowed you. <laughs> well, that's why he has 200,001, because he can afford to lose Doesn't you, matter. Rob. He can no, afford no to No one can afford to lose me. Um, uh, I, I, what, what, what the, the listeners were not treated to before we started was that there was a very couple of false starts where um, John was kind of like stumbling a little over the copy, and it just reminded me of that Orson Welles, famous Orson Welles uh, ad. You know, you can see it on YouTube, what he's doing for Paul Masson Wine and for um, Frozen Peas. Is it Frozen Peas? I just remember Paul Masson Wine. That's what, in July, we know a farmer who, and, it, and he keeps messing up, and he keeps screaming at the sound guy, which I was, I was disappointed you didn't do that. This I'm, copy's unrewarding. It's unrewarding. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of um, Simon Callow's third volume of uh, his biography of Orson Welles. Third volume. Uh, and he's got a whole other one wow. yet, yet to write, um, uh, which is uh, excessively detailed, shall we yeah. say. But yeah. the revelation that Welles was just an awful person, an awful whiny, you know, tantrum-y nightmare of a person is present on every page, I would say. It's a, it's unfortunate because he was, of course, also a very remarkable guy. Yeah, but, John, when you're a star, you can do whatever you like. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, he was grabbing him. He was gl- grabbing him left, right, and center. I Different say. time. Different yeah. time. Yeah. 
Well, you know, there is the great line. He is the um, he is the person who is responsible for the one of the great Hollywood lines, Orson Welles, which is kind of meaningful in this case. Somehow, this very sad thing that Rita Hayworth, who to whom he was married for a couple of years and with whom he made the great movie, The Lady from Shanghai. Uh, Hayworth, of course, gave one of the sexiest performances of all time in the movie Gilda. And Hayworth said, every time I go to bed with a man, he goes to bed with Gilda and wakes up with me. Which is such a sad, sad story. And she lived a very sad life. And here we are discussing, you know this whole notion of what it is to be a celebrity and what, what you can do when you're a celebrity, but sometimes celebrity is very costly for people. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Donald Trump's a sad clown. And it, it, when he, when he goes in and he takes off the hair and he sits in front of the mirror, he just cries and cries and cries. <laughs> that's right. All, John. all those right. cotton balls covered with orange paint. <laughs> <laughs> And then when, um, he, when, he, when he puts it all together, sometimes like Donald, Donald, they want you, they want you outside. And he, he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, "It's showtime," just like that. <laughs> he, uh, uh, Pagliacci, laugh, Pagliacci, laugh. Well, the big question, I guess, is uh, is Trump a loser clown, or you know, does he still have a chance? What? To be a or one of those clown? successful clowns? Taking over the country. Kind of, what kind of red skeleton painting is he? Uh, is he a joyful clown? Yeah, he's, he, I, he would say, I would say I would say I would say less red skeleton and more John Wayne Gacy. But that's maybe that's just me. Um, Jonah, uh, Jonah, what, what what did you think of last night? Uh, um, <laughs> I am I am free. Um, I thought it was. Uh, um, I did do NPR though, and the only thing I could come up with was, yeah, he he won, and he rallied his campaign, and he rallied his base. So now it's sort of like a plane that's going down, but at least a car maker. Um, and uh, that's the idea that somehow he's now going to go back to winning. Idea that he's going, you know, he was losing going into the debate, and he's losing in the national polls, and he was losing in the. The battleground polls wasn't losing by a lot, but he was losing by enough. And the idea that somehow plays, um, uh, you know, crotch with married women who are not inviting it is going to his ranks just strikes me as ridiculous. Uh, Can you guys I, th- me? I thought that he'd won the debate. I did too. After the first 20 minutes. I mean, the first 20 minutes were a train wreck of epic proportions. And there's always this question about whether anything really matters after the first 20 minutes. And he certainly didn't look like uh, he was going to win anything uh, except the scorn and disbelief of the American people. Uh, And then something happened. It was almost as though he, you know, he caught hold of himself as he was, you know, about to, dip off, you know, literally fall off the side of a cliff and said, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do this to myself tonight and focused. And he took her on, on issue after issue. And oddly, she, uh, was defensive. Like she, she responded to him as though she really needed to defend herself against 
his charges rather than kind of parrying and saying, uh, you know, I don't need to take lessons from a person like you who does X, Y, and Z, you know, which struck me as the way she was probably going to go about this. Like, you really are in a position after what you've done and what's happened and what the American people yeah. now know about you to give anybody a lecture on proper com- you know, conduct. Um, she chose not to do that, and maybe that was a sensible decision. Certainly the early polling suggests that the public thought that she won. Um, I thought it was odd, and I would say that were I a supporter of hers and a Democrat, I don't think that bodes very well for her as president in the sense that, you know, here she is, she's got this massive audience and she doesn't really know how to make a good accounting of herself when she needs to. Now she doesn't have a good case to make on the emails. God knows, but nonetheless, you know, she's been doing this forever. She ought to be able to, to, you know, to spin a little better. Right. I mean, I, I, I actually sort of agree with both of you, but I, I, I guess part of me thinks that something was revealed last night, which I think maybe revealed to um, old people. If you're old, if you're an old person and you're uh, you have really two choices on the Clinton matter, one is you still it makes you mad, or three choices. One is it makes you mad and you're still mad about it. Two is it made you mad and you resigned yourself to the fact that yes, back in the '90s there was a double standard, and that continues today. People are grandfathered into kind of an old school kind of a way to, of being. And the third uh, possibility is that you just don't remember it. I mean, if you're 35 or younger, you just don't. It's just not really part of your life, and you don't really care about it. And I think what you're seeing in the polls is people uh, is the um, is the American audience shutting off that topic. And so, uh, I don't think the emails work. I think she was smart to not even engage in any meaningful way on any of that stuff. Because her, you know, his. his his big problem, and, and, and I think incredibly stupid choice, is to try to drive her negatives up. She's already got high negatives. Like, you started on second base on that. He should have taken all that time to try to drive his positives up, the other side of every campaign. And he just kind of refuses to do that because he's an idiot and because he's being, um, I think he's being advised by, by fools uh, and or uh, people with a business plan for later, which is probably more likely. Well, I don't know. I, I thought I thought the 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 emotional story of of Trump's decision to have that press conference with Kathleen Willey and Juanita Broderick and the the woman uh, who's the, weirdly that rapist, the, the, yeah, right. accused rapist uh, Hillary defended as a public defender forty years ago was the mark of the fact that the campaign has now um, gotten back into the hands in the closing days as as hope is largely lost of Roger Stone, his amanuensis, the kind of brilliant, deranged... What's um, brilliant about it? Roger? Well, Roger Stone is a remarkable political operative. If you really want to think really? about it, Roger Stone saw this possibility of Trump taking over and destroying the Republican Party. Oh, I see. His vision. Um, he also is, you know, a lot of people think that he is responsible for the downfall of Elliot Spitzer in New York. Um, certainly he takes credit for it, and there's some reason to believe that he deserves the credit. Um, but he's also a lunatic conspiratorialist and a, a very, very strange uh, person, um, just 
But again, so again, Trump, he is the guy who is he is the guy that Trump has turned to for twenty years. It was his uh, brilliant, sick understanding that if Trump went to this weird alternative media, I don't even, I'm not even talking about you know Breitbart now. I mean Alex Jones, Infowars, making his reputation by hanging around wrestling, you know, <laughs> going on fourth rate, fifth rate radio shows and late night weird shows about UFOs and all that that in, and 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 <laughs> spinning the national Enquirer, being the best friend of the national enquirer that he would have a kind of bizarre media base totally out of the limelight you know totally in the shadows where but, millions but, of people already right, have right, an opinion right. of him and that right, he but, might be able to drive I, to the polls that I, was I guess I I guess I'm just not that impressed by that as brilliant because brilliant is winning the presidency right brilliant is actually you can't win the presidency with trump and you couldn't ever win the presidency with trump is probably mm-hmm. the likely fact. certainly you could never win the nomination but so don't you think it's just a, isn't there a this strange amnesia about that especially this morning or or right after the the debate that the idea that oh it was close it was never close was it ever close jonah it was close uh, for about five minutes after the Republican convention and before the Democratic convention. I mean, I, I think. I mean, no, but the, it also got close. Remember, it also got wait, close wait, wait, at the very wait, beginning of September. Wait, wait, finish that thought, though, John. Yeah, no, but I think John's right. It also got close in September. But I, I, I think the problem is, is that Trump is a self-destructive person. Trump is terrified of actually winning, but also terrified of seeming like a loser. So he's sort of in this Scylla and Charybdis kind of situation. Um, I think he, uh, if he were, I mean, if he, if he were like 10%, 20% more disciplined, more serious, frankly, more patriotic and put in the homework to do, you know, to learn the things that he needed to learn, um, I think he could have he could have won this thing hands down. If it was the, if it was the Trump from the first 20 minutes of the first debate all this time. I think he'd be 10 points ahead because Hillary Clinton is awful. I mean, that was the little <laughs> thing that really came through. She's just yeah. an awful, amazing? awful politician. And, you know, I've been banging my spoon in my high chair about this for, you know, two years now, but we got conned. We got conned by both of these people. We all know, we've all talked about the Trump con. We know what con, you know, how he's a flim flam man and a snake oil guy and all that. But we also bought into this idea that has been brewing in Washington since the 1990s that Hillary Clinton is this really impressive person. And she may be behind the scenes. She may be a good institutional you know, uh, you know, maneuverer. But this, there has been this idea that, it's, that, that like political talent becomes community property when you get married. And that Bill Clinton's skills transferred to her and a whole bunch of awful, awful people like David Brock and, and Sid Blumenthal and all the people that they spun up convinced themselves and try to convince everybody else that you had to pretend that she was this really amazing right. person. And it's very similar to the thing with Trump. You have to pretend that he says brilliant things. You have to pretend that Hillary Clinton is really impressive. Neither of those things are true, and, it, I, and I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because it's so friggin' obvious. 
Look, I will say that, you know, that weird moment at the end of the debate when the, you know, the horrible town hall format allows someone to get up and ask that same question that they always ask, which is, can you say something nice about each other for a minute? You know, that thing. And the fact is that Trump. You don't like that? You you don't like that? You have to like, you said in that little voice, like, oh, it's a. No, I don't like. No, I don't like my it. My favorite because, part. Because I had like, two favorite just, parts last night. Can you can you just be disingenuous for a minute? Can we just end on a disingenuous note? Well, they don't, you, you don't have to use that fakey voice. I'm you using say that fakey voice because it's the problem with all such horrible things. Anyway, my point my the point I was going to make is that Trump said this thing about her that is correct. Like he said, "Oh, you have one." She said, "You have wonderful children," which maybe. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't. Who the hell knows? But he said she doesn't stop. She doesn't quit. She just gets up and keeps going. Now, for a lot of us, that isn't necessarily the greatest. It's not the greatest selling point in terms of character, but it's pretty close to being true about her. Like she is. And her and him, too, by the way. She is relentless. Well, that's what he showed last night. That's all I'm saying is that. He had this weird vestigial moment. You could see it happen. The debate was flying away from him into crazy town. And it was like he said, you know, I'm not I, – I, I can't go any further with this. You know, I'm just going to fall off a cliff. So I'm going to snap myself back into focus. Um, it was interesting to see because, you know – Again, as 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 Jonah says, if he had if he had managed to right. maintain that, if he had had the first fifteen minutes from the first debate and the last seventy minutes of the second debate, you know, okay. he'd be the, uh, he'd be three, three he, points behind. Yeah, but but, 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 but yeah. Uh, can, can, can I point out one thing though that's really kind of funny? Because I, I thought John was going to go there. Um, his compliment of her about how she never gives up. Yeah. works. That completely, you know, crapped the bed of a year of messaging. That's about true. how she's, you know, uh, so she doesn't have stamina to be president. So and all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, she does, and that's in fact what he admires most about her. It's her. Stamina. Yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, like coming in saying what I, mo- what I admire most about China is their trade policy. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, um, I, I, yeah, that was weird. I would like to talk, if we could, about Kenneth Bone. Kenneth Bone. Kenneth K-Bone. Bone, K-Bone is the as uh, the uh, the gentleman who made a uh, who asked a question about uh, energy policy. Asked a substantive question, and as somebody on Twitter said today, the only question uh, um, anyone asked uh, that wasn't, uh, "Hey, what about me and my needs?" was actually a question about national policy. And he was wearing a bright red sweater and a white shirt and a white tie, which is an interesting choice, and then glasses. And he became really within like ten minutes after that debate, or maybe during the debate. I don't know. He became a meme. Are you guys have you been following the Kenneth Bone meme? Not not only not only was he not only is he a meme. According to something that I just saw, his the search traffic for Kenneth Bone on Google outstripped Gary Johnson's last night. So you know, which which sounds <laughs> oh, well. silly. No, but if you think about it, the whole point is if Trump is melting down. One of the interesting questions about Trump's meltdown is: Will voters, will people who are saying that they were going to vote for Trump, will they slide over to Gary Johnson? Assuming because one assumes they're not going to go to Hillary. Right. Right. But the fact is that that Kenneth Bone was so entrancing, both his name and his sweater 
and his sort of cute nerdiness that that he he became America's sweetheart. Yeah. See, the thing is, the thing that drives me crazy is it's sort of like people who like you know only watch sports when it gets to the playoffs or who who <laughs> get get in with like you know uh, Bruce Springsteen for his later albums. I've been a fan of K Bone. For years, uh, you're you are you are a bonehead, aren't you? I am, I've totally been a bonehead. So you're saying one day Kenneth Bone is going to be dead, and you'll be saying I've been listening to him for years. Exactly, fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> for people who missed it, that's a Stripes reference. But. Stripes, <laughs> but but that was Tito um, Puente originally. Tito Puente now Kenneth Bone, who is cooler than Tito Puente. Very, very I, I agree. Uh, well, I want to talk more about memes, but before I do, I want to talk a little bit about one of our sponsors, Wink, W-I-N-C, Wink. If you like good wine, but you can't even spell sommelier, which, by the way, is S-O-M-M-E-L-I-E-R, it's time to take the stress out of wine shopping and try Wink, the new way to get all the best wines perfectly matched to your palate. Wink is spelled W-I-N-C. It works directly with winemakers and growers from all over the world to create delicious wine delivered right to your door. I talked to them a little bit last week, and it's a very, very cool operation. Uh, they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. That means if you don't like a bottle, then you they replace it with a bottle you do love, no questions asked. You don't just get set random bottles. It's a personalized wine membership, recommends wine specifically for you based on the results of your palate profile quiz, which is kind of weird and like gets all over the place. Like, Do you like, do you like What's your favorite flavor? Ice cream? Do you like coffee? Do you like, I mean, lemonade? All sorts of weird things they uh, they ask you, and they kind of put it together in their uh, wine auto brain. You can rate the wines you receive from Wings, so they learn about your taste, kind of Pandora style, with every order, and constantly personalize the wine they send. If you sign up for it right now, you gain immediate insider access to the best fine wine all over the world. Find out for yourself why the hosts of Glop Culture, that's us, and thousands of other satisfied wine lovers are raving about Wink. The best part you get $20 off right now when you go to trywink.com slash glop. Try, that's T-R-Y-W-A-N-C dot com. Trywink's all one word. And they cover the shipping. Think about it. You get good wine, personalized to you, and it's delivered right to your door. You get $20 off and free shipping right now when you go to trywink.com. That's trywink, T-R-Y-W-A-N-C dot com slash glop. And we thank them for another kind of cool internet-y um, way of uh, if you're if you're embarrassed as some people are i don't think joan is one of those people but some people are of like the shopping cart filled with wine that you have to buy every day just to get through thursday um this is a way to sort of secretly have it delivered to your door by the way not not to not to sort of elaborate too much on this point but you know the the disruptive quality uh, of something like this in the wine and alcohol business in general is a very exciting thing because if there is any business that is layered over by protectionism and sclerotic, you know, not just here, but abroad. And, you know, France regulates what kinds of grapes people are allowed to grow in their own vineyards and stuff like that. Um, You know, if there's anything that is going to be destroyed properly by the internet, it is this kind of it's this uh, rid- these ridiculous regulations on the uh, you know adult consumption of alcohol. Um, can, can we go back to Ken Bone for a minute? Because yeah. my, my real question about Ken Bone is: um, were, were people having fun uh, with this ordinary American? Were they making fun of him? Were they saying, "Gosh, a real person like like a you know a, a port in a storm"? I mean, I saw tweets that said things like, "I would vote for Ken Bone right now." Um, he, he seemed like a much, much better person. 
And there are people saying, well, you know, what a weird JCPenney sweater, right? What is it? Where is this in the culture? Are we teasing this guy or are we uh, freaking out because suddenly there was a real person there? I don't know quite what how to feel about yeah, well, this. First of all, just to add to it, I saw that it, on CNN this morning he explained that um, he actually planned on wearing like an olive suit. But uh, when he got out of his car, he tore the pants of his suit, um, tore the, the the rear end of it, and so he changed clothes into the now historic sweater. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, it's been hard for me to to figure out, but I think it's partly just sort of like you know, oh my gosh, you know, an honest man in the whorehouse, and everyone's kind of freaking out about it. Yeah. I, I, I I think most of it is making fun of him. I mean, I think I think yeah, it, yeah. It, it's fond, but certainly from the you know punditocracy class and the Twitterati, right. you know, at the high end, it's it's just it's it's affectionate mockery of you know the Middle Western unwashed, um, and 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 is there is a deeply distasteful aspect to that? Yeah, you know, it bit. is that kind of like. It is, uh, you know, it's the uh, it's the sorority coming to welcome, um, you know, the revenge of the nerds fraternity to the, you know, right. And the, that moment, moment sitting at Jogdish's table at the Delta House opener, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or or that moment in Carrie, they're all going to laugh at you. Yeah, pretty uh, much. If you Dude, wear that if, suit, if pig blood had come down from the ceiling in that debate, it would have improved the debate. I mean, that would have been a good moment. Uh, if it, but if it hit a normal American citizen, I would have been outraged. There were two better targets. Yes, no, that's true. Yeah, that's what I was referring to anyway. Can someone do something in the future? Can I task you guys with the responsibility of getting this commission on presidential debates to end this town hall format once and for all? I mean, come on. First of all, it ends up you get these bizarre images of the candidates walking around in a in a giant circle, and then the angles on television suggesting that you know Trump is about to swoop down on Hillary. Well, yeah, you know, that, a, that a ninety foot tall that a ninety foot tall Trump is about to squash the little. Bits, and you know, yeah. you remember this from like McCain and from Romney and like Romney and Obama were like. You know, Greco-Roman wrestlers. Uh, you know, in the Olympics, the way they were, their hands were out, and they kept yeah. circling each other and wandering around. Have them sit in chairs at a table without a moderator, and let them fight. You know, every single time at these two debates, one of the moderators go, I, "I mean, we have to get on to the next question." It's like you are not the you are not the adjudicator of the issues that are going to decide this election. These two people are fighting with each other and having a conversation. You, you really think no moderator wouldn't just – I mean you, you really think having no moderator last night would have been revealing? It would have been a shout. It would have been crazy. So what? So let it be crazy. Then that's actually an honest representation of the nature of the race. I don't want you know, that. I think, Weldon, I, I, I think Weldon the Joker Silver should... debated without a moderator. It was one of the best debates we've ever seen. You know, like that is what debating is supposed to be. It's not let – you know, let Martha Raddatz talk now. You know, she, well, what is she, a potted plant? She should be able to say, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, Mr. please stop speaking now. You uh, you know, now we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> well, wait, John, 
John, we're, 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 John, we're, we're, John we're, we're, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> um, I, just, I, I was just going to say, I think the Joker should come out and break a pool cue in half and say, we're going to have tryouts. And let um, hey, we, we, we've gotten we, – look, I, I know I'm kind of in the penalty box because of the whole cornholing incident in the last podcast, and I'm supposed oh, to – Oh, no, no, no. Oh, boy. Violate our standards and practices. And oh, not, man. Immergut is in his room with his beeper button going. Um, but um, we've kind yeah. of glided past, you know, we the, have. the are, are we allowed to say the P word in this? I mean, well, the, let's just refer to, I mean, look, you know, trying to, uh, it's a quixotic rearguard attempt to, to, to just to maintain a tiny shred of dignity throughout these proceedings. So we'll just refer to the, the vulgarities on the audience. Okay, so here's my Or you can use the term hoo-ha. <laughs> okay. If you really need to, you could, you could go with hoo-ha. Or, uh, or Mike Pence. Or Mike Pence. Yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of... After Mike Pence. Speaking of hoo ha um, uh, So uh, uh, <laughs> the thing is, so I, I mean, it's because I'm right in the middle of finishing my LA Times column about this, and so spoiler alert for anyone who hears this first, I think the the comments the, have been misinterpreted uh, on both sides. Obviously, the infuriating one on the among the Trump defenders is that this was just locker room talk, and anyone who hasn't talked dirty is a hypocrite. Anyone who's ever talked dirty is a hypocrite for criticizing from him for this, but. There's a huge difference between saying, man, she's hot, I love to X her, and saying, yeah, I grabbed her Mike Pence, and I, they had to let me get away with it because I'm a star, right? I mean, so one is describing actions he took, that actually took, and another one is just claiming that it's just dirty talk, which is a different thing. Right. But the, the thing I think is misunderstood, I mean, I understand why the left and the anti-Trump people want to focus on the allegation or the insinuation of sexual assault – but what I think is most interesting here is like, look, I've been in a few locker rooms. I'm not like drenched in testosterone. You know, I don't, I don't a million locker rooms, but I talk dirty and I, I tell dirty jokes. And I've been around a lot of guys who talk dirty and tell dirty jokes and all that kind of stuff. Most locker room banter does not involve telling stories about uh, sexually assaulting married women and striking out. Yeah, right? that yeah, that, the that's weird. Right. That's, that's weird. the key point here. And so what he was bragging about wasn't his sexual exploits. It is that he's a star. He was trying to get across what a big deal he is, what a star he is. And that's the, that's the thing. And that is the key insight, I think, into Donald Trump is that he doesn't care about anything other than being a star. It's like people were saying, oh, he may not do the debates. Of course he's going to do the debates because there was a chance to have 100 million people see him, and that's what he cares about. He cares about ratings. He cares, that's why I think online polls mean something because they make him seem like more of a star. Right, right. And it's that that's the insight into his narcissism that I think is more interesting than um, the sexual assault stuff, which may not have even happened. Um, he was just trying to convey what a big deal he is. And it's really pathetic, and very few people are talking about it. Well, I, I'm more um, I'm more intrigued by the fact that he has this capacity to generate these kind of Renfield 
characters who <laughs> yeah. giggle yeah. bizarrely yeah. when he so goes weird. into these, you know, so now it's Billy Bush, but you know, it's like that whole, <laughs> it's really funny, really funny, Mr. Trump. Me too. I, me too. Like, hey, yeah. Check her out. Yeah. You know, right. Remember like, I think at the time Billy Bush was like 20, I don't know, was he 30 years old? So, so Trump is 30 years older than him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I, I took a furniture shopping. And uh, first of all, who takes? Yeah, that was so weird. Shopping. That was so weird. Where would you go? No, but it's like it's all you said. You know, I took her to the Olive Garden, and you know, we had a we had a Olive Garden. At least Olive Garden. That that would be a meal. That's a date. I know. It's like I took her for. Can you believe it? I took her furniture shopping. It's like what? I I am really interested in the. I want to know the store. Furniture shopping with him. I want to know the store. I want to know what they looked at. I want to know. Uh, what they maybe did they did, 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 did was Trump is saying sit on the sofa dear sit on it it's a nice sofa sit on it sit on it. okay you want a sectional what do you want because I think these are nice sectionals what, what how did that go I'm trying to think of what store that we know of would would be the sort of place that would feature his specific you know tastes for the you know Iraqi palace look of his apartment. And I, I, you know, because I, I don't know that that's something that you can you can get without having it, you know, manufactured to to fit your. But that just to, shows that he probably that's how that's how how hard he was courting her, uh, going after her like a bitch. Was that his phrase? I mean, I can say that. Yeah. By the way, that's um, another bizarre part. Yeah, weird. Which is, what what kind of a what kind of a way is that to talk about how in that this shows the way he talks speaks English like it's a second language. In that sentence, he's the bitch. Right. Very weird. He went after her like a bitch. Like a bitch modifies I, not her. Yeah, right. So right. he's like, I was a bitch. What, the, what does that mean? I mean, is that what he meant? I don't think that's what he meant. I mean, I, you know, he, he even I by have the way. Heard, I, have heard, I have heard Jonah say that. <laughs> but not about that. You know what I mean? Like I've heard, like, yeah, like I don't a, know what I've heard. Jo- I don't think I've heard Jonah say that he went I mean, after like anybody how, like a bitch. I just like the idea. Like it's like look, this is the way guys talk. Uh, they, they talk about I mean, this is what the guys talk in the cubicles at NRO. This is what the guys talk at AEI. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I went after John Rawls like a bitch. Strauss found the significant silences in the text like a bit. (laughs) By the way, can I just can I just uh, take a moment since you mentioned the Leo Strauss to point out that our 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 good friend uh, Decius Smecius Specius Was Wall Sess at americangreatness.com has another piece in which he seems to be calling Jonah and me in particular quizlings and cowards. Um, and this is a person who has now written 12 pieces anonymously calling other people cowards who, you know, are willing to say what it is that they have to say in public. Right. Deal, deal well, with I mean, the reason I'm using a pseudonym is because it'd be awkward on this podcast, obviously. <laughs> oh, 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 damn. <laughs> Well, I, I just anyway, I you know so about the tape and you know Billy Bush and the whole question of sexual assault. Um, I mean, again, I was like, I didn't understand the main thing that he was suggesting and what it meant when he talked about grabbing at her, whatever. 
And then the actress, Amber Tamblyn, who uh, was uh, the star of a show called Joan of Arcadia, put out on Facebook or on Instagram or something a story of the way she was physically assaulted by an ex-boyfriend that actually laid out that this is a this is a thing that was done to her and that did not seem to have been invented by her psychotic ex-boyfriend and it that's where it started getting like creepy for me because I just thought eh, he's wait so what, what was was that, uh, was Trump the ex-boyfriend? Is Trump, what is Trump the ex-boyfriend no, he's not. It's some other actor. It's an actor, she says, her old, an old boyfriend of hers, who did her physical injury by grabbing her at a club and picking her up and hauling her out. And it, it's a horrifying story. And it, you know, it, it means that sort of maybe Trump was in his own sick brain referencing some thing that he heard that people do or that he himself has once done or something. You know, it, at, at that moment, not that I ever thought it was all that funny. I thought it was gross and not funny. But then it struck me that maybe there was something even sicker going on here than I had realized. Hmm. That I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is just, a, you know, uh, when they throw up the, the little divert. I don't think some side collateral stuff going on now that in the culture that doesn't really relate it's to possible, this. It's possible, but I, I, who knows? Anyway, um so, uh, but wait, so, wait, so, so, so yes. uh, I, 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 I just, I guess what was surprising to, I mean, the, the two little tidbits I would say about this are one, that it is, uh, everyone has a story, either a personal story or a story they've heard about people forgetting that the mic is on, you know, you wear the mic and you walk around and it's cordless and you just, the first thing you do is get wired for sound and then you kind of forget that it's on and everyone has had that story. I mean, I know people who are, who are uh, clergy where they are amplified, who forget sometimes, right? And then they go quickly to the bathroom and then it's, you know, echoes throughout, the, you know, that, that, that happens all the time. And the second thing I would say is that if, the room, I mean, the rumors are true. The rumors are only natural. It, it, this guy has been on a million TV shows. He's been wired for a mic a million times. There is audio tape to come. That this was not a coincidence that came out on Friday when the emails came out. It, it's, I mean, it, it's inconceivable to me that this is it. Well, according to the story in the New York Times, on Monday, somebody at Access Hollywood, last Monday, a week ago, Monday, uh, we're recording this on Monday, October 10th, uh, someone at Access Hollywood reading about the, reading this story about his mistreatment of staffers on The Apprentice said, hey, you know, we did this interview with him in 2005. Let's go listen to it and discovered this piece of audio, I guess, in the raw footage which if true means something more interesting possibly better for trump um than i would have thought which not better i mean better for him politically over the next 30 days which is this was not a hillary late hit this was a totally no 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 this was a total sort of like a uh you know happenstance discovery where someone said yeah basically i mean someone said hey we should go look at that tape of his Days of Our Lives thing we did 11 years ago and then discovered this, you know, stuff from the beginning 
that was just them driving up on the bus, you know, um, either that or why, why did they, why wasn't it up? I, I don't get it. Why wasn't it? I mean, are these people just incompetent? Yeah, well, they hadn't, as I say, someone said, heard of them that this guy on TV, there's got to be, um, apparently not hot mic, uh, hot mic audio from, you know, even when you go on, unless that story said yesterday that he's got, that he, I guess his brother is a producer, have lots of audio that would be very, very embarrassing for Trump if it ever became public. They went back and looked at it, and he wasn't. It wasn't clear whether Geraldo was saying he was going to release it or wasn't going to release it or what. But he just sort of said, you know, if I have it, lots of people must have this kind of stuff. And everyone is talking about how at The Apprentice there is just mountains and mountains of this kind of thing. Right, but the person right. who owns The Apprentice, Mark Burnett, is a Trump supporter, and he is right. not going to release the audio, and if anyone releases it, it will, by definition, be stolen, and everyone apparently signed some kind of a $5 million yes. liability pact not to you know. It's also against the law to release tax return information, and someone did that. Right. Well, no, that's complicated, right? Because the, these were pages of... First pages of state forms, not federal forms. The tax, the tax release. It's bad, but you know, of course, if it would, if it had been <laughs> done, bad, but it's not illegal. No, it's really bad, but you know, we don't actually know who sent it, and it's possible that the person who sent it signed it also. Is my point, which is of course the one of the questions that is coming but out it of this. Is, all right, so so the stars that we have now. Just I'm just trying to like. Just trying to like maybe get back to what's 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 going to happen in pop culture after this. Ken Bone obviously is going to be senator from Missouri. They've got to agree <laughs> no, to that. Have, no, Dancing with the Stars. Where yeah, do they well, go? I don't know. Well, that's where they go after. They're, 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 um, uh, is, is this the is this the first time a major um, national politician like Speaker Ryan has said to all the all the other Republican candidates? That you know, you, you need to do what's best for you. <laughs> when no, it comes to, is that is that no, ever happened? Set, yes, in nineteen ninety six in October, when Bob Dole was fifteen points behind in the polls, the okay. RNC and the Republican leadership in in October said, "You're on. You know, do what you have to do. Don't defend the top of the ticket. Don't feel it's necessary. Save yourself." And in fact, the RNC. <laughs> no, but wait, this is no joke. The do RNC, what you have to do. So, the, bat, this no, but, is my battle cry. <laughs> no, but literally, the RNC, Haley Barber, who was then running the RNC, had saved money. People were saying, why aren't you spending it to help Dole? You're spending it too late. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. And David Graham did a big piece now with The New Yorker, did a big piece for The Weekly Standard on the, on the Barber strategy. He was then working on Capitol Hill. And which he likened to, you know, Braveheart, the end of Braveheart, where William Wallace says, hold, 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 don't fire, don't fire, don't fire. And they had all this money in October, and he, he, he released it to all these senatorial and congressional candidates who managed to hold on, despite uh-huh. the fact that the, the Republican candidate lost by <laughs> nine and a half points. Yeah. So there is, there is precedent. And you yeah. know what else there's precedent for? I, I hope something. For, there's precedent for uh, an exciting new advertiser on Glop, HelloFresh. HelloFresh wants to change the way people eat forever. They believe everyone deserves honest, natural, healthy, delicious food 
Whether you're a busy professional couple, a large family that runs at a breakneck pace, or someone who simply wants to start cooking more, HelloFresh makes it easier, tastier, and healthier than ever to enjoy the experience of cooking new recipes and eating together at home. It's the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each week, HelloFresh creates delicious new recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone, from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. It sources the freshest ingredients, measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food waste. They employ a full-time registered dietitian on staff who reviews each recipe to ensure it is nutritionally balanced. HelloFresh offers customers a classic box or veggie box and will soon be launching a family box. Customers can order three, four, or five different meals per week designed for either two or four people, all delivered to your doorstep in a special insulated box. For $35 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter GLOP when you subscribe. Services like this really work. 20 years ago, I used a similar one that was done by a local grocery store with home delivery. I did it as part of a diet package. I lost a lot of weight. The food was great. This is an exciting new, again, disruptive system You know, uh, for everybody to try HelloFresh. Dot com enter glop when the Goldberg household has tried it yeah and we liked it um one of the things um <coughs> we are hard to please um one of the things that's nice about it is that you can cook it first of all it's it's not like um airplane food where like yeah, they have to cater to the lowest common denominator in terms of flavor profiles it actually has real flavor to it but you can also use it as sort of a base to build out even a larger meal if you want because we had other stuff that we wanted to add in, and my wife really liked it. And we, made, we cooked a couple different things. This uh, I don't want to mispronounce it. It's beef kafti, um, which was really this sort of Mediterranean thing. Which was really good. And we did uh, the adobo chicken, which was really good. And uh, we're, you know, we're fans. We liked it. And listen, uh, uh, Jonah's wife Jessica is a gourmet cook, so this is a this is a pretty serious recommendation. Yes, I wouldn't I wouldn't be. Uh, I mean, it, I was very nervous about even having the stuff come to my house with Jessica. Right. But so, right. So um, now you're a star, Jonah. You can do anything you want. <laughs> that's right. That's right. you know, you know, I just want to mention one more weird thing from last night. Yes. Um, in the spirit of this kind of, uh, once again, um, Kellyanne um, Conway, in an in, uh, in a little stand-up interview with, I guess, Chris Matthews, he said to her, so you're with a campaign? And she, and she said, yes, I'm here. I'm with the campaign. Basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm with the campaign to the bitter end. Yeah, unless. And then she kind of shrugged. And he said, Unless. <laughs> Like, she went, I'm here with you now, Chris. I'm here now. Look at me. I'm here now. But it was a weird moment that I, I still don't quite get. Like, why? <laughs> it was a very strange moment. Well, look, was there, has there, seriously, has there ever been a two weeks like the last two weeks? Has there ever been in politics a two weeks like the last two weeks? I mean, the only one that anyone can sort of think of to analogize this to is what happened to the GOP in 2006 when, you know, after a series of blows, right. then came the story of Representative Mark Foley, you know, uh, right. 
you know, manhandling male interns um, and, uh, you know, uh, on the Hill. Well, I, I, no, he didn't manage, I mean, he just sent them, he sent them suggestive emails. I think, excuse me, he sent them, right, okay, he, uh, yeah, he email handled them. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know, this is a very strange situation and uh, apparently all the, a lot of the private polling uh, done by Republicans which <clears throat> has a different form from public polling because they use um, actual voter registration files. You know, they they don't they don't sort of do a generic anybody who answers the phone thing. They they go after real voters so they know what they what they can target. Saw meltdowns all over the place. I mean, you know, not just sort of state by state at the Trump level, the Trump Hillary level, but you know these senatorial candidacies. In New Hampshire, in uh, right. Missouri, Missouri, interestingly enough, where a race that should have been sort of a, a simple re-election campaign for Matt Blunt is now either a toss-up or moving into the Democratic column, which you know was not predicted, um, and you know so there's all that stuff going on uh, before before the Access Hollywood tape, uh, which hasn't even been fully yeah. digested into the political system. And, you know, everybody who has aligned with Trump saw themselves on Saturday. I don't care if you're Kellyanne. I don't care if you're, you know, anybody. They all sat there saying, what will this mean for me? What can it mean for me? And a lot of people are saying this morning, which I think is interesting, that the result of the uh, debate maybe was the worst of all possible worlds for Republicans because if he had done terribly yeah, right. and disappointed his base, <laughs> no, and, and disappointed his right. base, then it would be a gimme to say, Free okay, I'm, I'm unendorsing, you know, because they would have been mad at him. But, you know, he said lock up Hillary and, you know, yeah. Bill Clinton rape people. And the, they, you the, know, polls, he, the polls must have been so terrible. Uh and the, and the response has been so terrible last night that, uh, on, on the other hand, I mean, just a, you know, Paul, uh, Paul Ryan is calling on GOP reps, and, and he's uh, in his call, he's conceding that the presidential election is lost. Right. So the question then is, you know, what what does that mean? People were saying last night it was very interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen this before. John Harwood of the New York Times, who is, you know, who's a liberal reporter, but he's an old hand and everything. He said last night flatly on MSNBC, look, we're in an interesting situation here in this debate because Donald Trump has lost this election. Yeah. This election is lost. This is not the sort of thing that people ordinarily say. I mean, even when it was yeah. clear that Bob Dole had lost in 1996. People Where's the outrage? Saying, Remember that? He went around the country and said, where's the outrage? Yeah, wake up, America. Wake up, America. <laughs> Sad. But I'm just, um, saying, like, I'm just saying, like, that is not something that people say. And so privately, there isn't a single person who's serious about politics who thinks that the election's not over. That That's how I take it. Is it over, Jonah? I certainly would bet that way, yeah. Um, you know, Bill Rusher always used to say, that there are these moments in American politics where the people just move spontaneously in a certain direction. And, you know, given all the October surprises so far, given how, you know, the Russians are meddling in our elections, um, I just, and given how wrong we've been about so much stuff, eight months, I, I don't want to say for sure it's over, but it sure feels over to me. I don't, I don't understand how Trump 
wins this given any of the facts on the ground that we have now. (laughs) That said, um, one of my great frustrations, and I did a piece in the corner about it over the weekend, is for for a year, a year and a half, even before you know the first primaries, the one of the hallmarks of the sort of uh, Trump of cult, uh, the Trump of cult, the cult of Trump, <laughs> is um, uh, the Trump of cult, ladies and gentlemen. The Trump of cult um, was was you had to be for Trump because he's the guy who can win, right? And and for a long time it was based on absolute ridiculous nonsense, like he was going to win New York and Connecticut and Illinois and all of this stuff, and he was going to win the Northeast and he was going to win Massachusetts. And some people sincerely believed it, and a lot of people didn't, but they used it as a mercenary argument. And ever since then, and then when he gets to the nominee, nomination, and even now, you know, it's like if you're not for Trump, you are for Hillary. And I hear this 100,000 times a day. And... um and so over the weekend, there was this movement, which was probably foolish and probably fanciful and, and not plausible, that um, you know Pence swap out for Trump, and that the RNC actually you know grow some uh, um, stuff, and uh, um, and everyone freaked out and insisted all the Trump people you know insisted in my Twitter feed and an email and on the cable shows and all that nonsense, they all insisted. The party owes it to Trump, right? And yeah. what infuriates me about this is that I've been hit for a year by people saying that I have to be loyal to the party. The party unity is everything and that we – he's the nominee and we owe it to him. And then – but th- they never follow through with the logic that loyalty is a two-way street. And so the second it comes to a point where maybe Trump should do something for his party – Everyone's like, oh, no, no, you can't expect Mr. Trump to do that. You can't, you know, it is this, you know, loyalty for thee but never for me thing. And I just think it's all so fundamentally corrupt and dishonest. And um, and you see it just all over the place. These people, it basically is a, a cult of personality kind of thing where Trump gets, uh, you know, gets the benefit of all double standards and everybody else has to fall in line. And, you know, I'm just sick of it. Listen, if Hillary wins this, and she really does not have much business winning this, uh, the Republican Party will be responsible for her victory by having nominated him. And a lot of this is you know, due to the simple fact, aside from everything else and disgusting tapes and all of that, he is chaos. He is the personification of chaos. American people are like – looking to you know elect somebody to sort of run the executive branch and be the head of the country and all of that for four years. And the chaos that he sows, which was helpful to him in winning the Republican nomination, is disastrous for him trying to become president. But it's all just you know, based on – I mean it's, this is standard show business stuff, right? I mean you have a question – the question you have to ask yourself in show oh, – here's the example. Billy Bush, Billy Bush was suspended from the Today Show. Because the Today Show needs women, because it needs to be broadly appealing to a broad audience. That's how you win in broadcast television. Trump is turning women off, and they still think they can win because they're morons, and they don't realize that actually running a general election is pretty much the same thing. You've got to be broadly appealing. 
Right. No, he it, like none of this made any none of this makes any logical sense. It, just looking at it from a purely a strategic position, where you're running in a general election and you need sixty five million people to vote for you, that's a really hard thing to do. Right. Well, it's the, not anything any if you have any any at any experience at all, and that's why I find like like all the Trumpers so uh, frustrating because they seem to think that if you hold your breath until you turn blue and stamp hard enough. That the actual weather or the or the terrain will change. Fifty six percent of the voters are women. A, a lot of them voted for Barack Obama. You need to persuade them to vote for you in order to win. And they just kind of like, no. If I yell louder, then they'll vote for me. And that's yeah, just it, like crazy. Yeah, but it's amazing. You know, when you when I talk to Trump, really all in pro Trump people, <clears throat> and I'll ask them, you know, how many people do you think? Um, Watch Fox News. Now, I'm a Fox News contributor. I like Fox. I get it. All that, you know, all those caveats aside. But you ask them how many people do you think, how many American, what, what share of Americans do you think regularly watch Fox News? And you'll get these numbers anywhere from, you know, 10 to 50%. And you have to tell them, look, a really, really, really great night for Fox is, is two or three million people. Right. That means that. You know, 308 million Americans are not watching Fox. Right. And, and the numbers are even more stark when you talk about things like Rush Limbaugh and all the rest. And this has been a point I've been hammering for a year now is that Trump is this infomercial guy who keeps trying to sell his product to the studio audience. Right. You know, they've bought it. They're all in. Yeah. And you're right. Then they keep shouting louder. It's like the ugly American. And he really is such an ugly American, right? He, it's like the ugly American who thinks that the French guy will understand him if he just shouts louder. Right. But, you know, the other thing about this is they're right. Well, that kind they're of – They're right in one works. sense. They're right in one sense. If if he wins, he will have won this election in June. What I mean is that he will have – none of this will matter and he will have figured out some new formula in which 10 million people who never voted before – are going to vote for him. A hundred, you know, a hundred percent of them are going to vote for him. This missing, hidden, secret vote of you know disaffected, sad, you know, people, white people in terrible condition, and they will carry him to victory because they have heard the call. And this is a movement. And so, in conventional understanding, we're looking at polls and we're looking at this and we're looking at that and all there, and they're not showing us the real truth. Now, yeah. If he should win on November eighth, that is how he will win. Otherwise, yeah. he is not going to win. Well, right. new national, the new the new NBC Wall Street Journal poll just came out. Okay, so uh, this is post Friday, but pre debate. Hillary forty six, Trump thirty five, Johnson nine, Stein two. By the way, that shows my point, which is that the the withdrawal of affect from Trump is boosting Johnson, who was probably at four or five in the last poll, and. Right there, what you see is they're going to say, well, this is not measuring the people who've never voted. By unskew, unskew. Yeah. So, no, but it's not even unskew. It's like he's got this magical electorate that, that has not been seen before that is going to rush into the race and win it for him. And as I say, like, if you believe that, then you believe it and it'll either happen or it's not going to happen. But you know what is going to happen, guys, is we're going to talk about Harry's shave. Oh, because yeah, big, nice. big razor companies Something have good the annoying yeah. habit of putting out new models and raising their already high prices with you know 92 blades and they bend forward and they bend backward and then they have a strip and they have a this. 
Unlike those guys, Harry's does not believe in upcharging, which is why they made their razors even better and keeping their prices exactly the same. Harry's five-blade razors now include softer flex hinge for a more comfortable glide, trimmer blade for hard-to-reach places, lubricating strip, textured handle for more control when it's wet, and it's still just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more you'll pay at the drugstore. By owning the factory in Germany where they make the blades, Harry's can produce high-quality razors themselves and sell them online for half the price. So here's a special offer for listeners of Glop. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades They'll send you their popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel. Get it free when you sign up for a shave plan. Just pay for shipping. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of the show. Enter the code RICOCHET at checkout to get a post-shave balm added to your order for free. So, go to harrys.com right now and enter code RICOCHET at checkout to claim your free trial set and post-shave balm. That's harrys.com. Then enter code Ricochet at checkout. Now, the copy here also says you can enter the code GLOP. So I'm going to wait for our producer. Of course you can. Scott, to tell me you should actually do GLOP, harrys.com slash GLOP for the special so that we get credit for it. I'm telling you that right now. Okay, so it's GLOP, harrys.com slash GLOP. So, uh, and you get that great deal. And uh, we thank Harry Shave. So uh, we thank Harry Shave. We are, I think, on the cusp of having to sh- close up here. Yeah, but before we do, can I just say, uh, just ask this question of my colleagues here. I, I mean, aren't you, I mean, part of me is like excited about it being over so we don't have to talk about it. Because I, I frankly have more fun talking to you guys about uh, other stuff than this. This, this is just this. A, a, a super absorbent, over-covering thing. Uh, I, I walk down the street and people are talking about it. People talk about it next to me. Uh, there was a bunch of people at a restaurant I was in last night. And talk, like, it, it, I'm, t- I'm tired. Aren't you tired? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. I, mean, I, I spend my days searching Amazon for deals on Hemlock. I mean, that's that's sort of where yeah. I am. You know. Here I will, I will I will say only this that I I was I, I just saw this look I looked it up uh, the outfit that Melania Trump was wearing yesterday was a Gucci outfit a, or a Gucci blouse I guess uh, it's a silk crepe de chine shirt with a bow um, on it and do you know what the bow is called Oh I saw that yeah yeah is, go ahead it is called. It is called a well, I, I, and it's called a hoo-ha bow, but it's but not a hoo-ha. Like, I just thought I would let like end with a laugh. It, that's literally what she was wearing was something with a with a well. Well, it's called in the catalog. It's called a pussy bow. Can I just tell you when you ask, "Am I tired?" July twenty seventh, twenty fifteen. This is before, like, you know, this is well after Jonah got himself into trouble with Trump with all that orange hair stuff and where Trump went after him and then 10,000 Trumpians went after him and all that. But on July 27, 2015, I wrote a blog post for Commentary Magazine called Trump, The Case for Despairing About America. And if you go look at it, just Google my name and The Case for Despair About America and Trump. Um, You know, basically, I wrote, while happy talk may dismiss Trump as this year's flash in the pan, uh, right now, he's more likely a version of Ross Perot in 1992, the man who got Bill Clinton elected. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that was 
July 2015. This has been the worst political year of our lifetimes. This is one of the worst moments in modern American history, as far as I can tell what happened last night. The way that debate opened was a low moment for this country, and we can't get to November 8th fast enough. The problem is that we, this, we are not done with this. We are not done with Trump. We are not done with his followers. We are not done with the stab in the back line that is going to be proffered after the election, blaming us for the fact that he lost. And we are not going to be done with this notion that there is going to be some way to surgically remove Trump from the Trump voters so that they mm. can come back into the fold because they're so right. necessary. Right. When in fact, right now, if that NBC poll is anything, f- reflects anything like what happens on November 8th, he will get 5 million fewer votes than John McCain did in 2008. Just reflect on that for a minute. Yeah. So yeah. by going well, if he gets, Trump if he, does get, if he does get 35%, I think it's um... – but yeah, the McGovern, lowest anyone's gotten? Yeah, McGovern all, got No, three. no, it's all because of the Never Trumpers. It's, 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 yeah, it's, that's it's, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's me and Pod and Crystal and Steve Hayes yeah. and a couple of other guys had just come on board. All of those suburban women who have never heard of us would have voted for Trump and he would be you the know, They may person. never heard of you, Jonah, because they're not on Twitter with your 200,000 followers. But they, they've heard of me. And you know why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know why? Because – because I I reflect America at its finest. That's so true. I am, so I true. am America. You're a Ken Bone. I, I, I am the Ken Bone a, of the uh, of this circuit. podcast. You are Ken Bone of this podcast. That's for <laughs> that's sure, right. without that's, a doubt. That's right. Well, you know, guys, um, I don't think I have anything to promote. Jonah, do you have a any anywhere anyone could go hear you in the next two weeks? Um, I'm going to Charlotte. For a speech, but I just don't have any of the information in front of me. It's on Wednesday night. Um, I don't know if it's open. That's one of the schools. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm a little beleaguered. But I will post it in the corner or say it on Twitter if if people are interested. So we'll see okay. about that. I will be on Fox Business if uh, in a little while if this interminable podcast ever ends. But I will definitely be on Fox Business. And I think I'm going to try to do for the third debate if there's any um, you know even if it's just a wake. Um, for the third debate, have a, a watching debate party for Ricochet members only and our guests in uh, New York somewhere. Um, oh, that would that be out. cool. Yeah. That so if cool. you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member of Ricochet, please go to Ricochet.com and join. You should. You should. And because and, you know, not just this podcast, but, you know, the Ricochet podcast and the Richard Epstein podcast and various other podcasts you can hear on Ricochet are among the best salves for your ears that you can possibly find. Salves for your yes. ears. Wow. Salves. Salves. Salves, yeah. Right. Salves for your ears. There you that go. That you can find in this very, very disheartening year. So thank you guys very much. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to, I guess, follow the ro- follow the roller coaster down. <laughs> Into the, you know, into the big puddle at the bottom. Your fingers must be this long to ride this ride. (laughs) Cheer up for the worst is yet to come. Uh, Yeah, well, uh, it's Yom Kippur tomorrow, so for all my, all my, all my, uh, 
all my member of the tribe listeners have an easy pass. And uh, see you guys. Fader. Join the conversation.